This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. We also have the support of lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. lynda.com is there to help you learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their seven-day free trial, visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame. That's L-Y-N-D-A forward slash the candid frame. Making the decision to become a part-time or full-time photographer takes a great leap of faith. But that's just the first step, and there's a lot of work that lies ahead in order to succeed. Wouldn't it be great to have someone to help you walk through that whole process? Well, today's returning guest, Corwin Hebert, has been serving that role for many professional photographers as a one-on-one consultant. However, not everyone can easily afford his services, which is one reason why he's created the Business Action Planner, a complete program that walks you through the process of turning that dream of a photographic career into a reality. As I sat down to find out more about his latest offering, I asked what he gets out of helping photographers achieve their business and creative goals. That's a great question. I've never been asked that question. I I live vicariously through my friends, through collaborators, and uh, as I get to know my clients, more and more and I get to know their work. I just really love being around the creative process. I thrive off um, creative uh, enthusiasm and uh, ideas and more so than just ideas. I get really, I'm, I'm entertained by um, photographers that push the envelope, push the creative envelope so I've, I guess I guess it's partly pure entertainment, just to sort of watch the the results of someone's you know idea just coming into the world and affecting people's lives or businesses or organizations or families, and it's um, I just really enjoy ob- observing that. I also feel like I get to learn from them. So as a photographer starts to express themselves in new ways or find new techniques or dive into meeting the needs of clients that they hadn't met before or worked with before, I, I feel like I'm learning a little bit of sort of, you know, business and uh, in the real world. And it's, you can't, you can't uh, learn this in a book. You kind of have to observe and watch and learn. It's my, maybe it's my uh, bent towards, you know, the um, sort of a sociological approach to freelance business and where I like to, to watch and, and learn about people's real life reactions to creative work, to the creative challenges and to the ebbs and flows of, of business and, and making people happy. So, uh, I, I definitely find myself entertained and, and enjoy the observation of it all. And I guess I'm a little bit of a, a little bit of a martyr when it comes to my own, um, creative bent, but you know, I, I consider myself creative enough that 
whether it's, you know, attempting to build a website myself or pull out a camera and, you know, make some photographs or paint or do whatever, or, or for me, my primary craft is cooking, but it's sort of just, I, I feel like I get to learn a little bit from um, other people and other photographers, especially where their process actually affects my creative process. And though I don't sell that creative process personally, um, you know, it enriches my life. So I feel like I gain a lot. There are a lot of consultants that are out there. And, and what did you come to identify as your strengths that made you sort of uniquely qualified to do it in the way that you do it? Yeah, there are a lot of people out there that are serving uh, creative people and a lot of people are serving photographers and sort of, you know, selling to photographers. Uh, and I guess when it comes to the business side of things, I felt like you're a few years ago that I was starting to see a trend in, in the category of business coaching. And a lot of um, consultants were sort of, you know, walking uh, business, small business owners through, through their process and through their methodologies or, or paradigms. And, um, you know, sort of counseling, if you will, you know, being that sounding board and kind of walking with someone through that process. And that totally has its value. But there was a gap I felt in the, okay, now everyone needs to stop kind of, there's a, you get to a point, I think, where you have to stop talking about it and you have to start doing it. And I knew that I, I didn't want to just tell freelancers what to do. I wanted to, you know, if the fit was right, I wanted to help them do it. I wanted to roll up my sleeves and serve their business and actually make it so that they could spend less time doing the things that they don't love or that they're not good at um, and in fact focus on being creative. And so I felt that there was a very tangible sort of almost a, um, a very tactile approach to the consulting I was doing where there, was, there, would, be a, there would be this flip and be like, okay, you know, uh, let's build a project plan. I will do these nine things, you do these four things, and let's move from you know, A to Z. Let's get this done. And I really enjoyed um, that process. So it definitely was a learning curve for me, and I, I knew that, um, you know, that the coaching mentality was um, pretty prevalent at the time a few years ago. And uh, now I think there, there's more of a need for, um, you know, I need help and I want to move forward, but I don't want to wear every hat all the time for those that have a, a growing and uh, active business. So tell me about how this, this your latest offering, the, the Business Action Planner, uh, came to be. Why why did you want to create and offer this to the photographers? Yeah, I wanted to create a tool that was a bit more hands-on, a bit more uh, self-directed. I also wanted to create a tool that was more approachable for those that can't afford managed services. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of photographers that – Though they would love to have a manager in their back pocket, the reality is, is that their operation can't justify it. It shouldn't justify the expense of you know, someone like me or our team um, being involved. And so I knew that there was a bit, of a, you know, a bit of a shortfall. And when I look at the landscape of educate, like business education for photographers, I'm very aware of the fact that photographers like to learn or emulate uh, what other photographers are doing or how they do it. And they tend to look to industry pros for, you know, like um, they want to be like them. So, you know, ask, how did you land that big client? How did you make, you know, your first $100,000 a year or blah, blah, blah. 
And I think that some photographers are aware enough of their business uh, experience and they're aware enough of the journey that they can speak intelligently to that. But a, a lot can't. A lot of photographers that talk about the business side of things um, might not actually have a very objective perspective on how they got to where they are or that they can clearly identify, you know, what opportunities, you know, they actually leveraged. You know, sometimes there's luck and fluke and, you know, happenstance and all those things. And sometimes the, the photographer themselves isn't fully capable of or, or able to understand that journey. And so I guess I feel like my role as a non-photographer um, helping photographers with their businesses. I wanted to create a tool that kind of helped them think with a little less um, uh, uh, inbreeding in mind. Yeah, I, I joke about inbreeding sometimes because I worry about photographers only ever learning from photographers. And you know, good business people learn from business owners and leaders in multiple, you know, in various industries and categories. Or uh, so I, I just really want to provide that sort of perspective. So I built the uh, the business action planner. Because I wanted to give a photographer a you know enough resources, enough you know questions to ask them. I really actually that's ultimately what I wanted to do. I wanted to I want to help train photographers to ask better questions about themselves, about their work, and about their business and about their um, uh, passions, so that they can steer their business in a direction that makes more sense for them. Because being a business owner at any level is hard work and it's, you know, there's lots of factors that go into it working or not working. And I guess I just wanted to create something that is a little bit more approachable. And also, I only have so much time and we have a, we operate a very small um, agency and we're very selective with who we can work with. And ultimately, you know, there's very few people that can afford a management team. So I just wanted to put something in people's hands that they could say, okay, you know, I can't afford thousands, thousands of dollars of management uh, fees, but I can definitely, you know, at least learn about what they do, how they do it, and uh, some of the approach and uh, perspectives that they have with their clients. So that's what we tried to do with the business action planner. Can you break down what this what this offers? What the business action planner is? Yeah, please. Yeah, you bet. So um, the business action planner is um, it's a few things. The first thing is it's a guidebook. It's a like 344-page ebook that is um, primarily focused on the questions that a photographer should ask themselves as they start and as they grow their photography, freelance photography business. So I've stated the question. Um, there's actually over 180 questions in the book. So if you if you're looking for homework, <laughs> here's here's enough homework to last you a while. So each question is stated, and then I give my remarks, my insights, my rants, my concerns, my ideas. You know, it, it would be like if you were to have coffee with me for 180 days, um, you know, uh, in a row. You know, what would be the questions that, that we would discuss? I mean, that's basically the, the premise um, of it. So this guidebook walks you through. If you were to look at your business plan in a little bit more of an organic way, a little less, you know, linear, a little bit more sort of uh, with the creative uh, perspective in mind, the creative sensibilities in mind, you know, how would I want to see you work through your business plan? Um, this guidebook walks you through that process. At the end of every um, section, uh, which, you know, we've used many sort of traditional business planning, you know, categories to sort of organize the questions. But at the end of every section, we've put together um, an action planning um, 
uh, uh, section, checklists, where you can identify those questions again, just to reiterate them, write down your answers, uh, and then address what are the action steps, what are the next steps. So once you've done the work, what do you do next? That's where a lot of creative people fail is they sort of they get something done like business cards. Okay, I've printed business cards. Now they sit in a drawer for a year. Okay, what's your plan? Why do you need business cards and how are you going to, you know, what are you going to do to make that tangible, deliverable, valuable for your networking um, efforts? So action steps, next steps, and then identifying uh, success indicators and sort of framing the, it for the freelancer to say, okay, when I look back in a few months or a few years on that effort, how will I know it worked? How will I know it's successful? Because a lot of this type of work is either it's digital, it's virtual, or it's just, you know, it's a bit more of a, a mental process. And you need to be able to look back and go, okay, it worked, it didn't, here's why. And so we've broken those things um, down in sort of a one-page action sheet at the end of every section. Now, the kicker is this uh, big, gigantic ebook is really the, it's the foundation piece for an Evernote file that you can add to your free Evernote account. And uh, we've organized all these action items, next steps, success indicators, and kickstart questions, all in an Evernote file. So that whether you're on your, you know, any device, you can log into your Evernote account and work on your business plan um, at any time, anywhere, even if you have a, you know, whether you have a few minutes or a few hours. So we wanted to take the, uh, this is a really long answer to a very short question. No, it's good stuff. I, I wanted to when when we came with up with the business action planning concept, um, Eileen and I were looking at the needs of a creative freelancer and saying, okay, well, they need a business plan. They need to have some focus, some structure, some strategy. You know that they've written down and built a plan towards. But business planning is often you know, a static document that if you're lucky, you get it done. And if you've printed it, maybe, and it gets stuck in a, a drawer somewhere, and it becomes a static, stale document. Business planning is an ongoing process. It's always a work in progress. And we think that a business plan should be tangible um, at any moment, whether you're at the cafe or, or with a client or on vacation or wherever you are. Um, and so we wanted to create a tool that was uh, virtual and sort of always helped the photographer um, keep their business ideas, you know, uh, in the right spot uh, and their their plans in the right spot versus yet another moleskin entry or yet an, like just in a journal somewhere or on sticky notes on the back of a piece of recycling from the garbage or written in some note file somewhere on your computer or stuck in an email somewhere. Uh, Evernote is a great service that sort of, you know, if you, if you use it, um, it can be really valuable for this type of thing. So, so that's, the, so the guidebook is one off part of the offering. The second part of the offering is the Evernote file. Um, actually, we also converted the ebook into an Evernote file in case someone wants to just read the ebook um, in their Evernote um, service. And then we provided some worksheets uh, and we've started off with a marketing mix worksheet, which is sort of a tools and tactics and project plan for all your marketing efforts. And then we provided a couple um, a, a budgeting a worksheet where we merged cost of living and cost of business all into one um, budgeting worksheet, a monthly budgeting worksheet. Because freelancers, you know, <laughs> uh, budgeting is always a challenge and cash flow and, and dealing with your money is always a challenge for a freelancer. And we know in reality that you know, cost of business is always merged with a personal, uh, you know, costs and and 
uh, that kind of thing. So we created a budgeting tool that um, that merged those two things. So guidebook, um, Evernote planning tool, and then uh, worksheets uh, is what we've provided, and uh, that's that's what the business action planning toolkit is all is all made up of. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. Squarespace recently updated their service to Squarespace 7, making their website platform even better. The update includes a redesigned website manager interface, a cover page builder, new category-specific designs, and full integration with Google Gmail and Google Apps for work. It's a powerful service which still maintains amazing simplicity. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card, just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing resource. Um, but, and, and when I was re-listening to our, our interview, I thought that even before you even get into cracking that workbook, that one of the things that um, I think that we, we, we touched on last time is the reason why uh, someone wants to go into business. And I think we, we had discussed this whole idea of not doing it merely to find uh, more opportunity to do this creative thing that we love to do, but rather focusing more on using our skills as as a photographer, or as a creative person, to service the needs of others, uh, to be of service to others. And I think that was a real critical consideration. Can you touch on that point in, in terms of identifying that before you even sort of delve into, you know, all that you're offering in this package? Totally. I think... From the artist's perspective, let me um, rephrase that as sort of if you were to think of the craft from more of a fine art perspective, as in you make the art you want and you, you know, you just offer it up to the world in, in hopes that they buy it. That's sort of a bit more the artist's perspective. Of course, successful artists have business strategies and they market themselves and their work in a specific way. But just from the creation of, you know, like, for example, the, a lot of photographers, when they're, when they're just sort of really getting into it, they think, well, I love making photographs. Well, I would love to do this more. Maybe I should start a small business so that I can do more of what I love. And that is not the right justification for a service-based business. It might be the foundational elements to say of, of like a fine art business, uh, but not for a service-based business because the meeting the needs of those you want to extract money from that's that's it. There's nothing more important than identifying that. When I talk about uh, when I do a workshop on uh, on business planning for photographers, my very first like okay, the very first thing I talk about is target market and target audience planning. Because if you don't identify who you want to serve, what needs you feel they have, and what your just your general fit with them is, like if you can't meet those needs then it's all for naught. It's all just, you know, it's, it's martyr meets hobbyist if those things aren't clear. So I think identifying, you know, initially what sort of those general categories or markets or industries or type of buyer 
um, you know, knowing in general terms who it is that you want to serve. And as you get more uh, drilled down into it, you can sort of identify, okay, these types of companies or these types of organizations or this type of person, those are the people I really want to serve. And then you craft your business around that. Again, it, that doesn't fit for everyone, but I think of the service providers I know, of the creative, um, successful for freelance photographers that I know, they're working hard to address the needs of people they're trying to extract money from. So you kind of have to just call the moment and say, Maybe I need to put my creative inspirations, you know, sort of in context of what people need from me. Otherwise, you'll just be selling to, you know, deaf, blind, you know, people that don't kind of get or can hear what it is that you're uh, putting out there. How do you help people identify their individual strengths as creative people, as photographers with that, that market? Because I think, like you said, some people really enjoy making photographs, mm-hmm. uh, but they may not necessarily know how their particular approach to photography, that the, the specific way that they see um, fits into any particular market. Like we, you know, like a lot of photographers will just choose to become wedding photographers because that's, <laughs> I think that's where the money's at. But I think that the most hap- happier photographers in terms of people who are out there making a living when they find something that they really enjoy doing a niche mm-hmm. that they particularly like that helps them to identify that market as you say yeah it does uh, i think there's probably three things three factors that go into it and of course um it does have to start with passion like i mean i i say these things like as if you're supposed to you know create a business only to meet the needs of other people no your business needs to meet your needs as well so i think that there needs to be an identification of uh, what truly drives you. And that might be from a creative perspective. That might be from a, you know, what interests and hobbies you have. It might be what, you know, what, um, what parts of, you know, life or work or business are really important to you. Um, and to identify those things and just, and, and call a moment and say, you know, I'm really passionate about, you know, um, environmentalism or, you know, the out, the great outdoors. And so well, clearly if you love the outdoors, then shooting a wedding in a ballroom at some hotel is not a good fit with your passion, right? So, you know, identifying the passion is the first thing. I think the second thing is, is knowing what elements of the craft are you exceptional at. You know, there's plenty of okay photographers out there. There's, you know, weddings are a great example where, you know, every um, bride probably has 10 or more friends or family members with, you know, decent cameras and that they're okay if not pretty good at taking photographs. So what is it about your, the, the skills that you um, have in your craft that make you quite good, better than average, and hopefully exceptional? Because that, that expertise is sort of that, that's the, um, that's that, that's that untangible sometimes. I mean, though your expertise might be, um, uh, you know, other people might have that expertise, but will they have it in connection to the same passions? Will they have it into connection? And my, my third thing is their network. Is that craft and that passion, is it reflected in the types of relationships they have? So target audience planning, I think, is based on a person's sphere of influence. Who do they know or 
initially, who do they know that know people? <laughs> that you know, se- le- certain level of separation uh, that happens in a lot of our own networks. But you know, y- you have to. You cannot sell to people that you don't understand, that you don't know, or that you um, don't have some affinity with. And when I when I um, I teach uh, photography uh, business um, elements to photographers at a couple schools here, a couple colleges. And when, you know, looking in the eyes of a, you know, young photographer that's training to hopefully have a photography business, you know, a lot of them look at the industry and they go, well, I want to shoot for the big agencies. I want to shoot for Nike. I want to shoot for Coca-Cola. I want to, you know, insert large brand name here. And the challenge there is that, well, okay, that's fine to have that as an aspiration. But, you know, you're a, a photographer's network relationships and the extension of those relationships must be reflective of the audience that they're trying to serve in some degree. So for example, let's just say someone wants to shoot in fashion. Of course, their aspiration might be to have their work shown in Vogue magazine. Well, what are the local magazines or even better yet, what are the, who are the local bloggers that you can get access to that you can you know, take their headshots, you know, or that you can go to their events or that you can comment on their articles or that you can engage with in some way to get them in your network so that you can become more familiar with and grow into, emerge your business into a market that over time might indeed grow into where you want it to be. But, you know, without your passion, your craft and your network established, or at least that you're clear on what those things are, your target audience um, efforts are going to be pretty random and you're going to end up just taking money from whoever gives it to you and you're going to be a have camera will shoot freelancer, which is a tough thing. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk about brand, 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 brand. I think it's a term that's really used a lot. But in, in your writings, you talk about brand in, with respect to building relationships based on trust and generosity. And I think most people think that it's just about the just about the pictures. Can why is that important? Yeah, you know, emerging photographers that are looking to establish themselves um, in the marketplace, they realize that there's a benefit to uh, identifying, communicating sort of brand elements. You know, maybe that's a logo, um, maybe that's a color treatment or a font style or maybe that's um, obviously when it comes to a portfolio that's an aesthetic or a technique or sort of a a curation of their work so that there's a a common thread um, throughout their um, what they present all those things all those visual cues are important and they have their value but I'll tell you this that to a freelancer the buyer is not thinking, well, I'm going to trust you because I like your logo or I'm going to trust you because um, you have a nice portfolio. Those things help. Those things um, exude professionalism and they, and they sort of they give that maybe that initial, uh, okay, I'll give you my attention. But the exchange in value happens when the buyer believes what you say, that you deliver on what you said you were going to do, and that you take every opportunity to make their life or their work better. So when photographers talk about brand, I have always a certain limit where I can only talk about websites and logos and business cards and portfolio binders and all that cool stuff to a point. And I kind of say, okay, now talk to me about how you bring a new client into the fold. Like, how do you sell them? Okay, now once you've sold them on the idea, 
How do you walk them through the creative process that you're going to go through? When you're working with them, how do you communicate with them? How do you make their experience rich and, and uh, uh, um, you know, of high value and that they, you know, you remove that, that, that the craziness that they might have experienced with working with a creative person in the past? How do you put them at ease? And then ultimately, how do you just communicate confidence to them? And I think professionalism is probably a great extension of, of brand planning because, you know, people are not buying uh, with a freelancer at, like they would a company. They're putting trust in you as a, as a person and your sort of, you know, all your other marketing wizardry will fall to the wayside if you say something or do something that is incongruent with what their expectations are. So, you know, you set expectations with your visual work and with your other collateral, but you are meeting those expectations through your character. So I think that great brand planning takes into consideration, you know, your, your personality, your character, your integrity, uh, and, and folding those things into how you conduct yourself as a professional, no matter what level your business is at. So how does recognizing how you're, you're, you're sort of optimized to serve others' needs and building this trust and generosity that you speak of help when it comes to the sales process. Can you give me an example of someone that you've worked with, for example, who, who changed their approach and that that sort of helped them with respect to building their business, procuring new clients? Yeah. I had a, we had a client a couple of years ago that was um, – Looking at getting uh, sort of changing how they sold their 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 services, their photographic services, and their sort of their sales process was basically let's meet at a coffee shop, let's talk about what you want, um, and I'll give you my price, and then we'll just get to work. And we turned that into um, a, had a bit of a, a documentation process to it, which included a. It's still they still met at a cafe. But he had, you know, a three, three things that he wanted to discuss with them. Like a, a literally a meeting agenda. Like three things we're going to walk you through to discuss. You know what's most important about this project. Here, I, you know, here's a key question I have for you. And it was at least documented. And they made notes during the meeting, not just casual conversation. That literally, like, hey, this has been this last few minutes. This is great. I need I need a moment to write a few things down. Just sip your coffee and and we sort of walk them through um, the experience of sort of um, documenting and sort of structuring those initial conversations so that there was more things written down, more things processed, more things shared. And then when it came down to pricing, that they, um, they presented um, standard packages at that time once they had the information that they felt they, they needed and that um, that, that package pricing – removed all the mystery it's sort of like okay based on what they need here's the here's the offerings here's the amount of you know here's the the time commitment here's the logistics here's the you know the things that we need in place and here's the final delivery i'm going to give you like it was at the time it was nine final edited images does this work for you and then they just stop talking and then they let the buyer decide if that package is what they want and if they want us to make changes no problem we can pull this out. We can add this, and here's how it affects you know the bottom line. That that of course that negotiating might take you know might go beyond the coffee shop, but it was just basically instead of it just being a conversation, it was 
a bit of a, a journey through you know well-documented steps. And that just made the selling process so much simpler. And it made it easier. When you give someone an option like, does this work for you? It gives them that definitive moment of kind of going, okay, I'm going to buy or I'm not going to buy. And too few f- freelancers give their buyers that chance to make a decision. It ends up being nebulous or people kind of slide into sort of working with someone mm-hmm. and it might happen or it might not. And sort of, it's almost on a handshake or, or worse, it's sort of on a, I, I really want this to happen, so I'm just going to keep working. Hopefully they pay me. <laughs> so <laughs> it really, it really kind of came down to creating a bit of a, a, a documentation process or at least an expectation of, of what it meant to go from, hey, this sounds cool, let's talk about it, to let's document it and pr- present an, an offer. Learning about your camera can be a frustrating thing if all you have to depend on is the instruction manual. Those thick books may have a lot of information, but they aren't particularly user-friendly. Lynda.com offers a solution by providing video courses on specific camera models to help you get up and running. The detailed and entertaining videos include titles for the Nikon 600 and 610, as well as the Canon Rebel T4i and 6D, as well as many others. Mastering your camera couldn't be made any simpler. You can experience this for yourself and watch over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. You know, this whole idea of uh, always be closing um, has been sort of this mantra for, for salespeople for a very long time. Uh, but you're, you're kind of approaching it in a slightly different way, or, or is it that sort of still in line with that, with that sort of mindset? Yeah, you know, I think, I think a freelancer would benefit from thinking along those lines more often than less. It, it is, you know, to, to be thinking about closing, you know, if you've qualified someone as, you know, this person or this company or this organization is a really good fit. And there's probably no reason why we shouldn't work together other than, you know, something tragic happening on either end or, or competition coming into the play. So if someone's qualified and you know that the fit is there, then having that perspective of, you know, at what, at what point, usually sooner than later, can I present something where they need to kind of make a decision? Um, that's, uh, that, that's a healthy mindset to have. I think the, the setup to that is what's most important. It's the, you know, you can't sell someone if you haven't given them something exciting and that they understand what it is they're going to buy. So I think that there's, there's a bit of a, you know, for those that try to close deals prematurely, I think that they're going to, well, they're going to lose a lot more business than they're going to gain and they're going to be um, very frustrated. So I think it does come down to sort of a, you know, get your ducks in a row, you know, make sure that you've, uh, understood the needs as much as possible and that you get a sense of uh, how you can serve them and then document them and then make the offer and then shut up 
and let them, you know, let them respond. Um, a lot of freelancers tend to sort of negotiate themselves out of work because they don't know when to stop talking. I was, I joke with uh, Eileen, my wife, uh, often that whenever I want to get something from someone, I usually just stop talking and sort of let silence, um, you know, do its job. And it's amazing what people will do and how people will respond when you just, you know, when you've said your piece and instead of keep talking, you just, you know, stop talking. It's amazing. So I think the selling experience is definitely aided by, you know, silence at times. You, you wrote a, a great line that says, make your target audience curious so that you draw a crowd instead of trying to stand out in one. And I thought that was just a, a golden piece of uh, uh, advice. And, but it's the very thing that most people worry about is like, how are they going to differentiate themselves from other people? And they compare themselves to other people who either um, are already real successes creatively or, or financially, and they find that whole process intimidating. So, so what approach, can you give me another uh, example of someone who was able to apply that philosophy and, and succeeded? Yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, just to address the, the curiosity factor, I think that with the marketplace being so noisy by so many photographers, the, the approach of, I want to try to stand out in the crowd, it's a perspective of trying to clamor above the, the noise or above the, you know, the, uh, the, the, just the fact that there's so much saturation going on. Trying to stand out in that is just way too hard. And so when, when, whether it's through, through work, like creative work, ideally that's sort of the, the heart and soul of it, um, through one's creative work and then eventually through their marketing efforts, that if they can make people curious and draw it, it can, it's not about number of people. It's literally about the quality of the, of the people that are paying attention and that are interested in what you're doing and that are coming to, you know, your activities, your events, or they're, or they're listening to the things that you say and how you say them. And if you can draw a crowd, man, your marketing efforts will just be so much more successful because you're not trying to, um, you know, beat out anyone. You're simply doing what you do and making it approachable and that you're captivating people's interests. Ultimately, people just want to be entertained. That's why social media is so, um, you know, uh, spazzy a lot of the time is because people just want to be entertained. They don't like, for example, content doesn't get shared on social media, right? No one, there's not a lot of reading going on on social media. It's a lot about visual stimulation and sort of quick hits. Um, so when, when someone's trying to engage the people that they're trying to sell, initially you have to entertain them. Uh, you, so, you know, you take that moment and kind of go, well, what can I do creatively or what can I do with my, you know, the things that I care about and how can I help someone enjoy that? Um, once that's done, um, and so I'll, the example I'll give uh, when it comes to that curiosity making and sort of drawing that crowd instead of standing out one, um, a friend, uh, collaborator, Dave Delnia is a photographer that um, uh, works with agencies, does a lot of big work. He's represented by Westside Studios in Toronto. And uh, his work, his portfolio is he is very aggressive with creating work that is very specific to the types of buyers that he wants to attract. So when he does a personal shoot, which he does often, I'd say once a quarter, um, I don't know if it, he's made this you know, definitive plan, but it seems about once a quarter, he is producing a, a project that he knows 
that agencies, art directors and junior art directors and, and uh, marketing directors, that they will be intrigued by. So whether he's, you know, he's done things like um, uh, he's taken, you know, uh, film and video uh, of a camping trip. And of course, it's not just about, it's not about the camping trip. He's creating visuals that connect to a, a type of buyer who also enjoys, you know, riding motorcycles or sitting by the campfire or, you know, wielding an axe or enjoying sort of the, a lifestyle. And so his visual, uh, his projects engage with his target audience more in a, hey, I'm like you kind of thing. Not a, here's how I can make your clients happy thing. It's more about that, that buyer um, and sort of that commonality and those interests that he might have in common with. So I really enjoy watching uh, Dave Delnia's portfolio grow and change, and uh, he does a very good job of it. So he's just, he's just always drawing that. So, for example, when Dave Delnia is marketing to his, you know, his email subscription list, it's a very small list, and he creates just very short, stunning um, emails that just sort of say, hey, here's what's new. And here's, you know, here's what I just finished shooting. Sometimes it's client work, but often he's just showing this personal work that connects with people on an interest or, you know, hobby level. He just basically, he makes himself approachable and he doesn't, it's such a soft sell. Maybe that's the Canadian in him, but it's a, it's a, it's a soft sell. You know, it's, it's just sort of like a, here I am. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's here I am, look how cool I am. But he's not doing that, you know, in such a gross way. What are the challenges of uh, making the transition, say, from working for someone else for a living is is just the cost of doing business, cost of, you know, living, determining, you know, how much money you have to break in, identifying your expenses, all of that, uh, that stuff. And it doesn't come natural to a lot of people. And I think it more often than not can sabotage someone's effort to be self-employed. So how does... You know, how does what you're offering the business action planner sort of help people identify those important points to, to increase their chances of, of succeeding? Yeah, at the at the end of the business action planner, we address the the money stuff. Uh, we address sort of that cost of living, cost of business thing, and and some of the questions that are important for a freelancer to address before they either before they make the jump or once they've made the jump, how can they protect um, what it is that they're trying to to create. The, the number one concern I have when talking with freelancers about their cost of living and their cost of business is, first of all, their expenses. And that it is 10 times harder to make money than it is to spend it. And I, I, I don't believe that a, a freelancer can, can actually make that jump successful if they're not willing to spend a lot less in order to compensate for the revenue that they're likely not to have early on because it is harder to develop that those client that clientele that repeat money and sort of build up that reputation that they can get you know they can come to uh, become to as a service provider uh, again and again, so you know finding ways to limit expenses is really really important and whether it's you know photographers have a particular knack uh, I work with creative people in a few different industries but um, photography is one of those industries that sort of perpetuates you know the purchase of stuff um, shiny things like a raccoon who won't let go of the piece of tinfoil in the raccoon trap, photographers look at, you know, strobe lights or lenses or camera bodies or, you know, what have you as sort of like, you know, I need this in order to make money. 
And that is a very dangerous uh, perspective to have. So I always focus on, you know, expenses first. The, the second thing is, is that I, I like, uh, you know, and in the business action planner, we, we address sort of the, the understanding of how supplementary income or special income, like, for example, uh, you know, whether you're going to sell some prints or do a show or you're going to, um, you know, have a, a part of your business that might not be core. Like, for example, I, I know a landscape photographer that shoots, you know, shoots events and he doesn't market those images. He just t- happens to know some event organizers and people that need them. And so he quietly goes about shooting events to supplement some income, but it's not a part of his business plan. It's sort of a off the side. He hates doing it, but he wears a smile and he's a nice guy. And, you know, though it's, again, that's not ideal, but when you're a freelancer starting, there's always less than ideal things. So you do what you got to do. If there's a paycheck is a paycheck, right? And so making sure that your cost of living and cost of business budgeting can, um, Take into account whether you have a spouse or a partner or someone else in your home that's generating some revenue to cover, you know, living ex- some living expenses, whether you've got special income coming in for projects, whether you've got a part-time job or a day job or how those things play in. And then where's your photography income and how does that impact? And then as you go month to month, is there a way that as you plan, if you were to adjust some of those numbers, how does that affect your real life? Literally, your you know your hydro bill, or your car payment, or your credit card. You know, I, I we speaking of credit cards. Um, obviously, going uh, starting a creative freelance business is not an ideal way to deal with debt. <laughs> it's not a it's not a very uh, successful debt reduction strategy to suddenly offer photographic services on the side um, and or sorry on the side might be okay but to sort of start a full-time freelance business it's tough just early on but a lot of budgeting uh, plans don't take into account dealing with one's debt and um, and that's what our uh, our worksheet does is make sure that there's a line in there to kind of go okay I'm going to work on bringing my debt down how much can I put aside every month and make sure that it's planned for so ultimately it comes down to that perspective looking ahead to the next month what decisions can I make now that will make next month more successful, you know, more profitable? Because a lot of people look at generating revenue. Revenue means nothing. Profit means everything. And if your profit is, is $500, and it could easily be negative $500 based on how you, you know, conducted yourself in that month. So, again, that's a really long answer to a very short question. <laughs> but I just think that you know, the conversations around money, are important. Uh, David Dushman's um, book, How to Feed a Starving Artist, uh, which he has on Craft and Vision and on a beautifulanarchy.com. Um, what a great book because it's just, it's creative people start breaking down the barriers of talking about money and whether it's creative people just sort of like a, a photographer talking with, you know, like dealing with money more honestly with themselves. That's step one. And step two might be making sure that their spouse or partner or family members also are sort of a part of the conversation because a lot of freelancers feel stuck and feel like they kind of have to hide the financial um, uh, challenges of their work and it becomes this deep, dark secret. Maybe it's the collection of debt or what have you. Uh, so I, I, love, I love it when freelancers say, okay, I'm, I'm okay to talk about money and here's my challenges, here's where I want to go with it. And whether that means talking to a financial advisor or a planner or, or someone that a business owner that's kind of been through it, um, that's those are the questions I wish photographers would ask other photographers. For some reason, photographers like to say, you know, how did you land that big client? Um, when in fact, I'd rather them say, hey, who's your lawyer or who's your accountant or how did you, you know, how did you um, 
you know, where did you save money or how did you handle the, you know, the, those financial challenges early on? Those are great questions to ask one's peers or, or industry idols. But you're making a, a special offer that uh, you wanted our listeners to, to take advantage of through November. Why don't you uh, give us the details? <laughs> you want a sales pitch? All right, here we go. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to inf- uh, inflate the giant gorilla and put it on my rooftop here so that everyone sees it. Um, the, the business action planner for photographers, uh, it, it's a $50 offering and the toolkit's $50 and we've got it on sale right now for $10 off until the end of November. So November 30th, um, is the, is the end date for that. So, um, for the next, uh, little while it's available for $40 and, uh, uh, so, you know, so far people have really been enjoying it. Again, we've delivered about as much as we could manage in one offering. And it's, uh, if you're, if someone's looking to really get into the nuts and bolts of their business, then the business action planner is a great, a great start and will give you a lot to work on, probably give you more than you need. Um, would be a great problem, I think, for most people, considering that there's a lot of, um, things out there that are sort of quick reads. Uh, the business action planner is not a quick read and there's lots of um, things to do. And that's what we're excited about is that it gives photographers a chance to roll up their sleeves and get into the guts of what's most important to them and what their business issues are. So it's uh, pretty, pretty fun. We're glad to have put it out there and uh, we're, uh, we're glad we've been able to sort of, you know, put it at a little discount to kind of get it out the door and get it in people's hands because it just came out a couple of weeks ago. So we just thought we'd give everyone a chance to wrap their brain around it and, uh, and, and pick it up. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. So who would that one photographer be and why? You know, uh, I mentioned earlier, but I'm going to go back to the well. I think that Dave Delnia's work professionally is remarkable. And if for someone that's looking at creating a service-based photography business, paying attention to Dave Delnia's um, work, his sort of his quiet, understated, um, but yet rich portfolio um, sorry, he's, he's quite an understated in the marketing aspect. Uh, he's not very noisy uh, online. He only shares things in more of a social, friendly sort of manner. But his portfolio is is um, it's just remarkable, and the clients that he's working with are just really, really fun. He's earned the right to work with those clients, and uh, I just I'm just a huge fan uh, of his. So, Dave Delnia, check him out. And where can people go to find out more about you and and what you're offering? Yeah, go to businessactionplanner.com. It's uh, it's a single uh, product site that um, points people to my personal blog and uh, personal website and our company website as well. But um, businessactionplanner.com is uh, where everyone can learn about the toolkit. Well, thank, thank you so much, Gordon. I always enjoy having the chance to sit down and talk with you. So thanks for making the time this week. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com.
www.thecandidframe.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.